Well, here we are again, back at the Conflab with Nate Cartledge, which is me. Hey, I'm so humbled and stoked to have you in this space with me today. Let's tap on in. All right, before we get started, we just want to thank our great friends at Studio 6 Burley on the Gold Coast. They are such a great support to me and the Conflab helping us get this out to you all the time. So if you're a content creator, if you have a a long-term podcast or you're looking to start a podcast or you need a studio for anything, reach out to them at Studio 6 at Burley on the Gold Coast. They are amazing. Thanks again, guys. It's just that that seems to be... There's nothing smooth with how I travel. So, <laughs> oh, well, I'm not coming to India with you then. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably you can get away well, with we, it, India. Yeah, we, I think we, I think we I are going to go to India together one day. But I think I go better in the third world countries <laughs> yeah. than the first world. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you got a good friend of mine today, Tommy V. Can you say your surname for me, Vera? Because I always say Vera. Yeah, <clears throat> and people get that wrong. Yeah, it's uh, the correct pronunciation is actually Bieta. Bieta. Portuguese. So I'm going to say Bieta from now on because it, it sounds sexier. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Tommy Bieta. That's it. Mate, so good to have you here. Mate, thanks for having me. And um, here you are on the Conflab with me, which is super exciting because, like you said, why? Why you? Um, there's lots of big reasons why you, for me, are you a very inspirational young man. Young because you're yeah, only take it. in your mid-30s. <laughs> um, three beautiful children. Yeah. One amazing wife, Nancy, and um, carving a life out for yourself here on the Gold Coast trying to make a difference. So some of your bio is you grew up in a multicultural family. Now, I'll let you explain. As we go through your bio, I'll let you explain. Multicultural, explain that. Yep. What is multicultural to you? Yeah. Well. Bieta. Bieta. Yeah, I mean, that you could start there if you wanted to because that's it's a Portuguese name that made its way to India. Wow. And then that's where my father's family all come from. So lots of generations um, in this Anglo-Indian culture growing up Um, and then he was the first one of a few that eventually migrated out to Australia. So my mother's as Aussie as they come. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. You seen the castle? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But she was born on the Gold Coast, Southport Hospital. Wow. Still lives within five minutes of Southport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not many of them. Not many, if any. But. She, she stuck around. They met uh, in Sydney and um, ended up moving up to the coast. But I grew up not knowing was I Australian or was I Indian. Oh. And um, Indians within Australia um, don't don't often get the best rap, no. you know. Um, I had to kind of fight a little bit for, like, my own ancestors. Lots of jokes. Didn't mean to dive, dive straight into it, but... I'd, I'd, I'd get asked if I was a taxi driver or worked at a Seven Eleven. I'm not laughing, but it, it's pr- it's pretty much yeah. And and I don't know if many people know about it, but as an Indian man, your main responsibility in life is to provide. Mm. So they find jobs that don't close down overnight. Okay. So they can earn money to send back to home or yeah. provide for their families. So uh, as well as doctors, lawyers, yeah. you know, um, mathematicians, engineers, if they haven't made it to that level, they just grind. Yeah. So I watched my dad. He was a grinder. He just worked um, selling furniture for about 35 years. Uh, worked in some banks as well uh, when he first got here. But, yeah, five days a week, six days a week just to provide. Yeah. So there was that. And then I saw the Aussie life as well where I was like, man, this looks fun. Um, everything about being Australian is uh, very much 
no cares, no yeah. worries. Uh, the beach culture here on the coast is great. Yeah. And so my mum grew grew up in that, and then she brought that to the to the table as well. So my sister and I grew up not knowing are we Australian, are we Indian, or are we a blend? And that's what we that we, that's what we came to understand is with with this blend of well, I embrace both, and um, I won't just say I'm identified by by something. Yeah, it sounds like a beautiful blend. And lately, Tommy, I've been saying this on purpose um, because of some of the stuff you were just talking about with having to fight. Yeah. Um, I love the Indian people. I think they're amazing. I was afraid of them mm. before I first went to India. I was thinking, what is this? You know, like, but I went up there by myself. But I've been saying this, I'm a human first before I'm a, mm. I'm a human before I'm an Aussie. It's good. I'm even a human before I'm a Christian. Yeah. Yep. Because that's how I was created. I was created as a human. Mm. So that my culture is that first before I'm this. And yeah. it's helped me widen my view, helped me widen my my understanding help me widen my perspective and definitely um, kills the opinions. And, yeah, yep. But I wonder how much of the Aussie thing, I think a lot of people are afraid of it and can feel, so hopefully you'll correct me, a lot of it, a lot of people from different cultures are afraid of it and can think sometimes that uh, they're looked down at. But we, t- we take that same pain and pressure out on each other as a joke. In, True. in the Aussie yeah. culture is mm. we take the piss out of each other as much as we'll take the piss out of someone from another culture and sometimes that can get blended up and mixed up. Mm. And I don't take away the truth in the fact that the Aussies have got an issue with tall poppies. And Definitely. Unlike, yeah. you know, unlike, say, Americans mm. who love a tall poppy, mm. um, whereas we don't see anyone is better than us. And I don't think we see anyone as worse. But I could be very wrong in that because obviously there has been an issue with systemic racism in all sorts of different parts of our culture. Yeah. And I think that can be extreme. But I think the generalised Aussie is like, whatever, mate. Yeah. Get out of yourself. (laughs) Yeah, true, true. Just uh, let's throw a couple of punches and have a beer together. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. So, but yeah, um, multicultural, that's a beautiful thing, a blend of uh, two incredible nations or two incredible cultures. Yeah. I love the Indian culture now. So mate, you were born in Sydney and you moved up to the GC and you did eight years in uni. Now how did you last oh. eight years? Oh, I probably wish I had my time over again because I swear I'm still <laughs> so paying off. So that's one of those I'm deathbed still... <laughs> things like, oh, yeah, one thing I regret. <laughs> that's me. I'm still paying off a hex debt. Oh, yeah. you know, it's, it's still oh, there. Oh, right. Um, I probably should have taken a couple of years out of school to figure out what I wanted to do. I enrolled straight away into exercise science and business and realised really quickly it was a grind Mm -hmm. to study. Uh, I remember the first day of university, the lecturer was saying one in three will actually graduate. And I was there with two mates. And I was like, well, one of us is going to make it. Who's it going to be? And I I think from that moment I was like, I I don't want to be that statistic that dropped out. And and whether it was university or work or a subject at school, I I didn't like the – the sense of failing um, or not being able to work hard um, and let that prove or show in results or whatnot. So I found myself just – I'm just a hard worker, whether I got that from my old man. But I failed the first couple of years of university. I had a combi, first car. I bought a couple of good boards and I would sleep in between class. I'd get waves early in the morning. Uh, and so I didn't really apply myself too much. What uni was it? Griffith University, yeah, yeah here right. on the Gold Coast. Yeah. And so I finished 
my undergrad in about six and a half years, which should have only taken four. Yeah, that's why your hex debt's still hanging around. There you go. I know, I know. <laughs> and and then um, I dabbled a little bit in, in the industry of sport marketing and I didn't really like it. And at the time I was currently working at a school doing a bit of footy coaching and and part of their welfare team in their chaplaincy department. And I loved what I was doing with the with the high school students. And I looked around and these teachers seemed to be loving their life, you know. Um, they were getting some good holidays, working, you know, eight till three or eight till uh, four. Yeah. And I was like, it's not too bad. So I went back to university and, and did a diploma of education. And that took me yeah, a year and a half as well to do. So by, yeah, so by the end of it all, I tallied up all my years and I'm like, Okay, I'm a high school teacher. Let's let's get to work. So I worked at yeah the local school, Southport State High, for um, eight years as well. Okay, and um, from there, uh, just built. I think where I thought I was going to be going in education, I bought a, built a bit of a portfolio in 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 our phys ed department, bit of a sport excellence program, and started doing the leadership training and development to become a head of a department, then a deputy principal, and I saw myself heading into the principal kind of lane of a, of, a, of a local high school. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to come back to something. Yeah. You did, you studied sports science. Yeah. So like that's nutrition, like everything. Yep. yep. What are you doing at Macca's at 2 a.m.? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you told me that part of the podcast wasn't on. <laughs> um, no, I've just – I've, no, I've no, built no. a life. <laughs> I've built a life around <laughs> – Training hard <laughs> so I can eat whatever I want. <laughs> you got to know. I just had to jump in there. Sports science is interesting though. And what what was it that led you to sports science? Like, I, I loved sport. Yeah. Um, naturally I, athletic. You all grew up. I tried to be naturally naturally <laughs> athletic, so, but I, so, I just had to work hard. So, so unnaturally athletic. That's it. Oh, I had to well, work hard to, a tea, to be athletic. Yeah, right. yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're looking good. Oh, thanks, man. You're looking good. Yeah, working hard. Um, I, I think I, I was interested in the ho- in the whole sport industry and I knew I was going to make it as an athlete. So could I make it as a physio or a nutritionist or sports and um, strength conditioning, Any anything around the peripheral of the sport industry that could complement an athlete? Yeah. And uh, so that's why I went for exercise science. In the business part, I was like, well, I want to make some money. Like yeah. I've seen Jerry Maguire – I've seen, I've seen how some of these athletes get paid. Do you want to get a cut of that? You see how Jeremy McGuire got his wife. <laughs> yeah. That's it, yeah. So I, so I was dabbling, I, I guess, trying to figure out, I love sport, I want to make some money, can I do it, can I combine the two? Yeah. yeah. That's good, but none of that actually worked out for the, for the plan for the future yeah. at this stage. True. Because yeah. everything we do will. 100. Um, I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so sports science, business, uh, education, into a school, being a teacher, yeah, as a teacher, so on. But then you end up at uh, at Glow. So yeah. But before you did that, at the same time you ended up at Glow, industry team. Yeah. Um, the same time you ended up there, you got a chaplaincy gig at the Titans. Yeah, yeah. So, so I got to yeah, I got to, I got to a year. It was it was year eight into teaching, uh, twenty seventeen. And I've got the biggest respect for teachers because I've been in that industry. But something within me was starting, either, whether it's to birth or it was there was change in the winds 
uh, I was going to bed at night, putting my head on the pillow, thinking what what else is there? Um, it's not that I, that I didn't enjoy what I was doing in the, in, in the classroom and, and with the students, but I felt like I needed to, you know, j- get outside the box, jump outside the boat, whatever you want to say, and see what else of the world or of life had to offer. Yeah. But the biggest hesitation was we'd just bought our first house. Uh, we had two kids and the second or third one was on the way. So it's not an idea. Deal time to be just throwing it all in, yeah. you know, putting all your poker chips in and saying, I'm, I'm going all in on what? On nothing. But I just know I need to change. There's something different coming. And that's how that's how the chaplaincy ended up at the at the Titans. Oh, cool. Um, the, in that I was available. Yeah, right. Um, the, the chaplain at the time, Russ Harmon, great guy. He was there when the club, club started. And the club um, had always respected his role, um, you know, like he was – essentially the, the, the player's pastor um, or, you know, like he turned into a, you know, marriage coach or... Mentor. And yeah, mentor. Uh, he married a couple of them. Wow. Um, you know, was that guy the celebrant for? And and then, you know, um, it was just a, he was just always around, but he moved on and he was looking for the position to become available and he gave me a phone call. And it was actually the timing on it, on it was on, was godly because it was the day that I resigned at the school and I was driving home and he called me and he said, mate, um, what have you been up to? What are you doing? And, and whatnot. So I gave him just a ballpark. Oh, I've been teaching and what and whatnot. I hadn't said that I'd, you know, resigned. And he goes, mate, it's a crazy question, but I'm moving on from this posters at the Titans. Is there a chance that you want it? And I said, well, it's funny enough that you've actually called on the day that I've just resigned and I've actually got nothing, nothing to say yes to yet. Yeah. But one of the the deals that I made almost with God and my wife was that um, if if I resign, I'm going to say yes to whatever door opens. And that was the first door that opened. Oh, wow. Yeah, at the club. So I went in and I met with, um, you know, with the wellbeing team, the uh, football manager, yeah. CEO, and they said, mate, you know, Russ has put your name forward. We'd love to know if you think that you'd be cut out for this role. And yeah. I, I, I didn't even, even know what the role was. Like I'd done a bit of chaplaincy in schools before and, uh, you know, volunteered in, in certain spaces to, to be a, to be a, a welfare, um, whether it's a, an, an admin officer or just another person in the room to support others. Yeah. And they said that, you know, if, if I could just be around the boys and around the club and be there for the staff, for the players. And so that's what I've done for the last six years, just been an extra set of hands. Uh, and then you're available as well if, if any of them have been through, um, you know, the bigger moments that they want to talk about or um, bring, bring you into. Yeah. And it's come with some great times, you know, in terms of, you know, game days being there and being around the boys and, and um packing up and setting up but then it's also had moments where you know I was doing a funeral for one of the boys mates and you know like on any given day no funerals ever good no. but knowing that I've been put into a position where I can be valuable or used in those bigger moments then um, you know I say thanks to God for creating the way because if you didn't turn my heart towards leaving that industry of education I wouldn't have been able to pick up the chaplaincy at the club. Ah, so, so a teacher decided that there's more to, more for me. Yeah. Had a mortgage, two yeah, kids, yeah. one on the way yeah. and uh, no prospects Yeah, and you stepped out yeah. of being a teacher and that opened up being a 
Yeah. Well, well, that's even a voluntary position. So I was still yeah. still asking, like, where's the where's the money going <laughs> to come from? Jerry Maguire. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, show me the money, please. <laughs> show me the money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was the biggest faith step I'd ever made in my whole life. You know, and I was thirty two. Yeah. Um, and not knowing what was next, but having complete peace that I was making the decision that I felt like God was asking me to make. Yeah in just to be available. And then I'd also spoken in depth with, with it about, um, with Nancy, my wife, and just said, look, if I resign here, if, if we finish up, there's no income. If I, if I got to go work at, at Woolies or at the, at the local, you know, supermarket, uh, petrol station, I'm prepared to do that. Uh, I just know that I need to be available, be, be ready to say yes to whatever that open door is. Yeah, so fast forward six years and you've done that again. Well, we'll get <laughs> yeah. we'll get down into that because um, that was something that I actually really wanted to talk about and, and hopefully uh, it's a good example what we're going to talk about for a lot of people who who maybe look for a position in certain areas, not saying that you were looking for a position in certain areas, but, but people who do go after position because they think that's their calling or their design mm. and only to find that, that it's actually not fulfilling and there's – it can be more harmful or it could just be the journey. Yeah. Um, so I want to get down into that. But then you also at the same time were were you offered or did you put yourself forward into into the ministry at Glow? Yeah. Offered. So you were a part of the church then? Yeah, part of the church. The church has been going on the so Gold Coast. Before we do, do to go there, if anyone is listening and they don't know who the Titans are, yeah, the sorry. Titans are our local Gold Coast rugby league team in, in the National League and – we're all big supporters of the Titans. Yes, we are. Unless you're a Broncos supporter before them. Mate, there's lots of there's, – there's, <laughs> don't get us started. Everybody moves to the coast because they want the life. Go go for the team as well. Okay, all right, all right. Well, that might bend me. Um, Gold Coast Suns, go, even. Yeah, you know, I'm a bit of a Collingwood. You're a huge Collingwood. Huge Collingwood yeah. fan. Uh, unless, People on the podcast can't see this Collingwood mural on the <laughs> on the office walls. Yeah, they can't see the tattoo on my back. No, no, no. Prove it. I don't have it. No. Oh, okay. Uh, I do have a bottle of Collingwood whiskey over there for <laughs> when we ever get into the grand final though. There you go. Um, would you drink that before full time or would you save it for after full time when you've won? Oh, hopefully I don't drink the whole thing, mate. I might be have a few sips. You won't have friends with you? <laughs> yeah, I will have friends actually, so it probably would get empty. It'd be after. Yeah, okay. It wouldn't be during. No. No, it'd be after. That's the celebratory only. Uh, so if they lost, it's waiting for the next it granny. It goes back on the shelf. Uh, gotcha. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, so the Titans are a local rugby league team on the Gold Coast and they've had ups and downs. And yeah. I just finished reading – Maddie Rogers' book. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, pretty powerful, pretty vulnerable. Yep. And it seemed like there was going to be a a, a sequel to it, mm. the way he finished it. So hopefully there is. And, yeah, so it was a um, pretty um, inspiring He's story. He's a legend. Yeah, yeah yep. he is. And yep. so you would have had some dealings with Maddie over the years as well. Yeah, crazy story. But my wife Nancy was his nanny, uh, oh, him and really? Chloe. Yeah, they had, they had a couple of kids and so – as she was looking for a part-time job or, a, or a, you know, starting off. And so that is how we actually initially met oh. was that, um, uh, yeah, she was helping out with the kids and then also obviously he was playing footy. Um, and he put he, him along with, you know, so many in that in that team that put the Titans together and gave us our first little run of success. Yeah. And then, yeah, there has been 
some some dry years in between. And then now, you know, like – I don't know if I can let the cat out, cat out of the bag, but yeah, we, we are going to have the best season oh, we've ever had oh, good. this year. Good. 2023. We need to. We yep. do. We've had a couple of fairly bad seasons. Yeah. So Glow, you you joined Glow as, as a ministry team. What was your role there and, and how did that all happen? Yeah, that um, – so, so we – Let's just explain what Glow is first. Yeah, Glow's a, Glow's a church here on the Gold Coast. Started here on the Glow – on the on the Glow Church on the Glow on the Glow Glow, Holst. yeah someone yeah. something like that yeah. it's a tongue twister <laughs> but we now have locations in Sydney Melbourne Seoul Korea yeah uh, the UK yeah and then Houston's coming as well over in the states so it's a it's a local church that's now gone national and now global and we were part of just the pioneer team that that started off here on the Gold Coast wow. and uh, yeah five years into the the church. Uh, which is when I made my decision to leave teaching and, and whatnot, I, I was available and I had a chat with the senior pastor, Joel Cave, and he said, have you ever thought of ministry? Would you come on board? And I was like, well, if this is the next door God that you're opening, then I'm going to say yes, and it, it was. So I jumped into the team, started off just uh, looking after people really, anything from kids, youth, young adults, the groups that we had at the church, a bit of pastoral care, and we've got a – there's always been a fantastic team there at the church. So my, I felt like my first initial role was just making sure that the vision was in line with what we were all doing. And uh, that was the role that uh, was, you know, looking after the ministries of of the church. And then that just developed so like, and developed. Like, like instigating the culture. Yeah, a bit of, yeah, bit of culture. Um, we were felt like it was – compared to now, like even five years down the track – we felt, I felt like we were such a small team and then as the team's grown as well, that culture is what you want to keep from yeah. um, being dissolved or, yeah. you know, diluted. Yeah. So, yeah, a big part of the growth of the church was making sure that the culture within the staff level and then the health of the church. So, um, But our senior pastors, you know, Joel and Ellen have done a fantastic job doing that as well. Yeah. So you've been there now for – you joined them in 2018. Yeah. And at the end of last year, I know that you and I had a coffee. Yeah. And I know that you also had a coffee with a couple of other very wise people. Yeah. So I don't know why you're having a coffee with me. <laughs> oh, mate, you were buying. That's why. <laughs> no, I was buying. I think it was these a guys, sandwich involved as well. These, if these yeah. aren't a pod, if these guys aren't a pod uh, sponsor already, they've got to be right now. Yeah, I think there was a few sandwiches involved in that one as well that day. Mm. I think, what did you have? You had, um, I think you had the Reuben. Yeah. Yeah, it was correct. Good. Well yeah. done. What a memory. Yeah. It was in your notes. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I actually do have a fairly good memory. Yeah, it was good. Well, you brought me to this place, MC's. Yeah. If you're on the Gold Coast, check it out, right? MC Sandwich House just down the road. Man. Mate, I better be getting something free from that now, Josh. <laughs> I tell you. Um, no, I'm just kidding, mate. Um, yeah, so we caught up last year and and I knew that you were restless. And yeah. like I asked you probably pre that to get on the podcast because I could see something – in you, and I want to um, go back to the chaplain idea. Um, I can see something in you that, and I've said this to another young man on the podcast who um, he was in the biker gangs in Melbourne and his life was a mess. He was a square peg in a round hole, never seemed to fit no matter what, couldn't stay in school, diagnosed with ADHD at a young age and his old man ended up, had a magic family, like they're incredible, this family. And his old man ended up saying, right, we're taking you off all the drugs and you're going to work through this thing at 12. 
after his diagnosis and um, just didn't fit into school. Ended up, I'll give you the long story, ended up uh, in biker games because he didn't fit. Like chase points, shotguns. He got shot at. Yeah. Got stabbed, all this yeah. sort of stuff. Um, and ended up in the French Foreign Legion. And the whole time in the French Foreign Legion, it's re rebirthed his life into something. So it's different, completely different journey than yours. But this is what I said to him is I said, you think you're an untapped resource for young men in this world. Mm. So when I have caught up with you a few times and one of the big reasons why I want to get you on the podcast and you ask the question, why me? I've listened to your podcast. Um, it's because this is all about helping people unlock that thing that they always believe they are for. Yeah. Like what are you for? What, what are you designed for? Where, you know, and you know my journey, we've spoken at length about it. Mm. And what, where's your design here? Because if you're not living in your design, no matter what it is, if you're designed to be a plumber and shovel shit and that's your design, yeah. there'll be an abundance in that for you. You'll get yep. joy out of it and fulfilment yep. out of it. Um, if you're designed to be a business person, mm. you won't be satisfied until you're operating in business. Yeah. Um, and so, but then there's another part to it and that's, that's okay, that's my purpose. Mm. But then there's a mission that we need to attach to it and like we have a mission which is similar to yours is to help everyone on this planet do better yeah, and to live a healthy and thriving life and yep. to build the kingdom of God and ours is about India as well as I know that you've mm. got a heart for that place because obviously it's in your genetics yeah. um, and in your, in your lineage. So I also believe that you're an untapped resource for young men in this world but it's proven, I don't even have to say that because of what you've already done at the Titans and – um, then you spent this time in Glow and helping them get established. But it's not – I'm not surprised that you got itchy feet. Mm. So can you just – can you just like – I really want to anchor into that um, that itchy feet thing and what it was that like you helped someone else build a, 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 an incredible organisation, a people organisation mm. because at the end of the day churches are about God and yeah. people. yeah. And so um, God doesn't need us to build his organisation, but he needs us mm. to partner with him to mm. build people. Yeah. Yep. And so that's what how I see it. Mm. So as a people organisation, and it's not just a small organisation now, it's one of the fastest growing, if not in the world, in Australia, definitely, mm. or the fastest. And, um, yeah, incredible culture, incredible leaders. So you've helped build that, but then you got itchy feet. Mm. And so if you could just explain for everyone – whether you're a believer in God or whether you're a church person or whether you're not, whatever your place is, what this itchy feet thing feels like. Yeah. I think – I hope I haven't overspoken. Nah. I think – I didn't know you wanted to anchor here, so maybe we're anchoring here. We are. Uh, I didn't the itch- know either. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know either. Well, the, the itchy feet feeling, I think more of us feel it than we want to admit. Yeah. And – Sometimes um, good, sometimes not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I would say, like, the worst wisdom you could ever do is is quit all your jobs with a mortgage and three kids and and nothing to go on. But I think that's where, you know, my faith is so strong and what I believe, you know, God has for me is that if I stay doing what I'm doing with itchy feet, then I'm missing out on the biggest, the bigger purposes that he has for my life. Yeah. And I feel as though the itchy feet feeling is him just stirring up. I remember um, there was a day, if we go back to when I was teaching, I was I only had about maybe five weeks left teaching. And what I was doing in the mornings, I was going to the Titans in the morning 
I spent a bit of time with the boys at training and whatnot and then I was going to teach um, from 9am. And I remember going to the club one morning, had a great morning, um, you know, just having conversations, checking in with, with a few of the boys and just just caring for them. And then I went to the school and I had a class of grade eight, sport excellence students, we're doing AFL, and something in my heart had already, from the time I was at the Titans to driving to the school, had shifted so much that I just felt like this wasn't my place anymore. Wow. Yeah, in, in one morning. Yeah. And I was like, I've got five weeks and even the last five weeks of teaching, I was there was it was I already know I was, I'd, I'd checked out. It yeah. was this feeling of my heart has already moved into what is next. Yeah, and so the itchy feet feeling is is sometimes I'd say for me it, it's been my heart is turning or it's shifting in alignment from going after or doing something or knowing that that is my my grind, my work, my calling, my. You know, and calling and, and purpose and potential, it can, it can be often thrown around and we don't know how to make sense of it. The assignment, let's just say that, the assignment for what I, what I was doing, building the church and, and being part of the assignment of Glow Church um, in that staff environment, my heart had shifted to the point where I was like, God, I don't know what's next, but I feel like we're going round two here where it's all the chips are in and if I'm backing you because I'm a faith-filled man, if I'm... If, I, if, I, if I've done this before and I know the result, I'm going to go again on it. And so, again, Nancy and I were talking and we're talking and we're trying to make sense of it. Are you feeling like this? Yeah, I'm feeling like this. Are you feeling like this? Yeah, I'm feeling like this as well. It's just like, but we've given so much. Like we've, the last five years of being in that staff environment, we love the church. We love the people. I love the church. Like um, I, I know it's not perfect. I know that there's been, you know, lots of things said about the church and people have had their own experiences of the church and I fully validate every experience that you've ever felt because that's that's your story. Yeah. Um, but I see the church as the body of Christ, you know, like the church is God's idea of of providing some hope to the world and we partner with God in, in the church. And so thinking, well, what would, what would work? What would a career look like now? I don't know. I don't know what it looks like, but I know that something in my heart is shifting. And so we resigned <laughs> again. Uh, and this time it wasn't just me. It was me and Nancy because wow. we were both on the team. Wow. And I felt like So I, you're completely off team. Yeah, uh, off the staff team. Off so staff. still still there on Sundays, still lead a small group in our home of, of young married guys and girls. Um, still a still a big part of where the church is going as a vision, but just not that staff environment Monday to Friday um, of yeah of 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 being there. Wow. So yeah, we resigned at the end of last year, and it was great um, because we had so many good conversations with our leaders and with our senior pastors, and I even spoke to some board members and just said, "Hey, do we have your blessing? Like, is it okay if, if this is how we're feeling?" And we just felt like it was all met with yeses. It's just like, yeah, this is this is what's what's best, and going to miss you. But you, we, if you if you felt like God's asked you to leave or asked you to move on or or shifted that heart, you got to be obedient to Him. And that's what we felt was like. It makes no sense what we're doing. Yeah, we've got no jobs. Twenty twenty three. Let's start the year strong. Let's just start the year with a job. Like <laughs> we didn't know what. It'll, let's new year, he new just me. Going up. <laughs> yeah, new year, new me. I need a new job. Um, and that was the most nerve wracking 
season in the last couple of years, you know, probably a little while that we like, we're going to bed at night and we're praying for jobs. Yeah. But we do know that just like a few years ago when I left teaching, it was the right thing. Felt like it was a God thing. And, um, so that's where we, that's where we find ourselves now. Wow. Um, I have a huge amount of respect for anyone who does do that. Um, I, you know, like there's lots of different stories that we, we look back at and I don't remember the, I think it was a Spanish um, skipper. I heard the story recently. And it's the story of burning the boats. And um, he ended up on a beach somewhere in South America or somewhere like that. And um, he said to his team they had to take the beach or something like that and there was a lot of Indigenous um, people there. And they were outnumbered by quite a lot but they decided to burn the boats. This is it. We're doing this or nothing. Mm. And they were really outnumbered, but they won the battle because of the desire, the desire they had to burn the boat. So there's no backup plan. Yeah. There's no plan B. Yeah. And yeah. to step out of an incredibly fast-growing organisation where you're pretty well, let's say uh, your position in that system or that organisation is pretty well pretty close to 2IC of an ocean liner. And now you're the skipper of a dinghy. That's exactly it. No. <laughs> um, so, but I have a lot of I have a lot of respect for it because I it it, it walk, walks a lot with what I've done with with my life is stepping out of of one thing to go. Okay, God, what is this? And you know, I had that I had a moment on the beach a few years ago that I told you about. Is like understanding that my design will be understanding where the abundance yeah is is maybe and everyone maybe can't identify that with right now. We, Wherever they're looking at in life, whatever they're faced with, whatever journey they're on, they might be. You might be feeling like you're just trudging through the mud, and sometimes we just keep trudging through the mud. And if your feet are itchy at all, it's 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 maybe not the right thing to move, but it is definitely the right thing to ask the question. Yeah, is this right for me? Am I doing mm. the right thing? Am I going down this right path? And um, like with what you did, stepping out shows so much faith, but I want to actually talk about, for people that re- really don't understand the God thing that we, you and I are talking about and the faith thing is um, and how much we lean on that. Sometimes for people it's an intuition It's and you spoke about it, uh, you probably said four or five times in that last conversation that it was your heart, your heart was talking to you and I don't, real, I don't think people realise how much God is actually, even if you're not a believer, how much God, his, his promise is that he never leaves us nor forsakes us. Mm. And so believe him or not, believe in him or not, he's there um, and whatever you want to put a picture around that, go ahead right now. Um, my picture might be different than everyone else's. That's okay. Yeah. It's all good. Yep. But he's always there. So when our heart's speaking to us rather than our head because – if your head was speaking to you, you would have said, hang on, mate, keep climbing this rope. Yeah. You'll end up releasing books. You'll be, <laughs> you know, all over the world. Yeah. I know you, you were offered a position in another place, OS, yeah. um, at a point, and I, I don't know if I can talk about that, but I just did. Well, yeah. Oops. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but it, so all that stuff looks like glory. Yeah. It all looks like, oh, you're on the glory climb. Mm. But true to form of someone with an incredible – Integrity, going. I got itchy feet. Um, what's my heart going to say rather than my head going to say? Because yeah, yep. anyone who thinks from their head will go. Got a mortgage. Got three kids. Got a wife. Got yeah. to keep earning. Mm. 
can't ditch the good yeah. right now. It's it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Interest rates are going to go up next year. <laughs> We've got to be stable. But yeah. you've gone, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to step out of this ocean liner position. Mm. Yeah. Because that's yep. pretty well what it is. Yeah. And it's right for some people. Yep. But it wasn't right for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think my heart, like, I don't know, like maybe when you've travelled, you see, you see, just see need. Yeah. And a lot of my heart is – is how do I help need? Yeah, you know, people whether it's local that are homeless or mums, you know, young mums or even older mums that are going through, you know, domestic violence, and it's like, how can we make a difference in this world? Yeah. And what is is that the sign of a life well lived? You know, is that the sign of legacy or a reputation where you can move on or pass on, and you've left the world in a better place. That's, I think, you and I, why we, you know, get on so well is is that our conversations are just filled with trying to fix the world. Mm. And I think my my heart was saying, you know, t- the time's up, you know, move on and and see what's next. But my head, hundred percent, is screaming, going, "This is a terrible move." Yeah, because you're th- still fixing the world, doing what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can tick that box. Yeah, just it's exactly. Not, it's yeah. That's not a big enough box though. I, I know, I know. And so, yeah, I think the, the heart is the stuff that you are processing yeah. when you should be sleeping, you know, you're waking up and you're first thinking about it. it. It's on every conversation. It's the stuff that you can trust those who you live with or those that you love the most with that information. Why, why am I feeling like this? And I think I had you alluded to to before, but I had some great people who I just checked in with, you know, before I made any rash decision um, that were outside of church, you know, some that were inside church, some that were family and just asked like, am I off here? Because I don't want to live a rogue life where I just do whatever feels good. Um, Maybe when I was younger, you know, but now that no one I've got, you know, my beautiful wife and my three kids, and I do want to leave a legacy for them as well. Absolutely. I want to make decisions that are going to, you know, um, prove fruitful, yeah. you know, for, for my own family um, and, and the world that we live in and, and, and ourselves. So, yeah, I think a lot of I – met, I met a lot of people who were like, don't do it, don't do it. And that was with teaching as well. My father was the first one. Who, when I left teach, I said, "Dad, I've resigned teaching." Is like, what would you do that for? Yeah. And my mum's there going, "What are you doing that for? You, you you're creating a great, you know, um, career out of this." It's just like, yeah, but I've I've got itchy feet. My heart's my heart's left. And it's being bold enough to listen to that, mm. and go, "All right, well, what is the next step?" Yeah. You know, is and and the next step might be a conversation with your boss. Yeah. And saying, "Hey, this is how I'm feeling yeah. before I resign or before I leave or post whatever." It's just like I want you to know. I think that's what made my transition out of church so or out of that staff environment so good is I kept checking in with my senior pastor and just said, hey, this is how I'm feeling. This is how I'm feeling. This is how I'm feeling. Yeah. To the point that we both agreed on, well, go spread your wings and see and see see where see where it takes you. And that that speaks a lot to the character of Joel, um, who I don't know too well personally at, at this stage, but know enough about Joel to see um, that's what a healthy church organisation looks like mm. rather than wanting to trap everyone in and use everyone for their gifts and and I'm not poo-pooing on some organisations yeah. but yep. we do know there's an experience of, of church in the last, you know, 100 years of yeah. if if you're gifted in any way then you've got a permanent job and True. that's it, you can't get out of it, you've mm. got to serve God this way because yep. I told you so yep. and that's probably not the intention, mm. uh, never been the intention I don't believe yep. of church. Yeah. 
But um, and I have this feeling that organisation, the church organisation, needs to get smaller, but the reach needs to get bigger. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like not so much that the organisation can get smaller, but if the reach gets bigger, mm-hmm. the, org- the inner organisation can be smaller. Yeah, we need to be sending more people out into their gifts out there. True. Yep. And so um, it speaks a lot to his character that mm. he could see that in you. And I, you know, I'm, that's why I'm there. I love the the character of the place and yeah, yeah, and so on. Um, so. The idea of this podcast, we spoke about this earlier, the idea of what I do here in this podcast is is just to, whether people have the same belief as us or not, it doesn't matter, but it's just to show people that there's something, maybe something locked away in you and you know it. And I met with a guy, young guy this week who's struggling in business and he was telling me all about it and he was looking for answers and, and all this sort of stuff. And I don't, I don't know, I'm not a... I haven't even studied business. I just an accidental, probably failure slash failing forward slash success in yeah. what I'm doing yep. because I keep making mistakes and learning. Mm. Um, but all I had to say to him was, "The answers are all in you. Mm. You've got to stop listening to your head." And so, I like the whole idea of this is. That and Tommy is a perfect example of what what it is. Is like if you have something deep in you that you know, because at the end of the day, Tommy, I do believe you know. There's something more that you're called to. There's something more purpose. There's some bigger mission. That's that's yeah. You might be fulfilling these things and learning as you're going through them. Yeah. But to something else. Yep. And you know that you're not meant to stay there. And so if that's the case, like investigate, investigate. Don't be stuck mm. in that yep. cycle of, yep. well, this is this is my lot now. I'm a this. Yeah. Like, yep. Well, no, you're not. You know, you're a human first and you're created in an incredible way. That's right. With incredible gifts put inside you to actually help the planet, yeah. to help the world yep. become a better place. Yeah. Every single person has something that they want to own. Yeah. And, th- and I think sometimes we let people tell us – <laughs> Don't own that. Don't own you know, that. like that's that, that you'll be better off for this. Yeah. But what will keep you up at night, you know, or you'll be dreaming about when you should be working. Yeah. Is is what what is it inside you that God has even given you to outwork here on earth? Yeah. Um, and whether you believe or not, like I think every every person has purpose attached to their life. Yeah. And it's being bold enough. If you find yourself doing something that is not bringing purpose to your life, it's like well. Do I change? Yeah. Do I leave? Can can I do? Can I get a side hustle and start there? And start there. yeah, so I think every yeah, every person's different in what their purpose is, but everybody's similar in that we're all looking for it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think this, the mission's similar. I think the mission is always similar. If you really break it down, if we can get out of our own way, you know, first we've got to get in our own way, mm. to get out of our own way. But our mission is similar. Our mission is to create a better environment, a, be- a better place for people, to help people. Like, I don't know, I, I've been so affected by my first trip up to India that, like, I can't not do it. Yeah. And that's why I've changed that language around from I'm an Aussie or I'm a Christian Aussie or I'm a this yeah. to being, I don't know, I'm a human first. Because I've been asked plenty of times, why India? I go, yeah. well, you know, am I am I not a human? Like, mm. Do I not see the travesty yeah. that is 30 yeah. million orphans? Yeah. Do I yeah. not see – that's the same population as Australia. Yeah. Do I not see that that – I think it's – get me wrong, this could be wrong, but I think it's 0.2 or 2.6% of them are only by the death of parents, which means 
out of 30 million orphans, there's only a small, very, very small percentage of those orphans that actually are orphaned by parents dying. Yeah. Why are they orphan sent? Because they're discarded. Mm. And like the the three greatest things that every human needs is belonging, connection and love. Mm. And like these little kids, mm. it happens in Australia. I, I'm not saying it doesn't. But connection, longing and love and they're discarded. Yeah. So yep. what sort of world are we creating yeah. when it is the second biggest nation in the world mm. and becoming a superpower because of its – Wealth, yeah, and because of its power, and yet that's the other side of it. So for me, it, like yeah, you know, I'll preach about India all day long, yeah. but it's my passion. So yeah, yeah. And so when I talk about mission, the mission's got to be bigger than our purpose. The yeah. mission's got to be bigger than stuff. So it so drives that. Like I was again talking to someone, and hopefully this is an example to you that um, that six the fa- failure of what I'm doing now is not even an option. There's not even a what if it doesn't work. There's not even a plan, but there's nothing because all I can see in my mind's eye is what I believe God's put in my heart Yeah, is like 30 million orphans. Mm. Even the ones that aren't don't get fed well. Even kids that have got good families over there, they might be lucky to get one decent meal a day if yeah. they're lucky. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but then if I take that over here and think how many like – why can't I just buy someone a coffee today? Mm. Like that mission's got to be mm. that practical as well. Why can't I just shout someone something that they don't even know about? I'll just, I'll just pay for their coffee or I'll just um, yep. pick up that bit of rubbish. Or, yep. Mate, I want to jump into your values. Yep. I, I ask you your top five values, right? Character, integrity, re- responsibility, mateship, Christ-like. Yep. Um, and I also know – Hang on, f- what were they again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to ask you now. Um, I also think, you know, like we say top five and – and yeah. there's, yeah. there's a bunch. Like family mm. would be really up mm. there. Mm. You, oh, I was going to ask you this question. What did your dad say this time when you said I've quit the church? Yeah, he was good. I think um, a couple of weeks ago I was in my new job. Yeah, um, we'll get which, to the which, talk about that. Which I do have. Uh, I was just saying goodbye to him before I had to leave. And he and I are really close now and he – and he looked at me as as I was saying goodbye, and he he's just like you you were built for this. Wow! So instead of it being met with like, what are you doing now, I think even speaks volumes to my parents how my wife and I live our life. Uh, that they've watched us never beg for food, like but just trust that the next step is what's in line with what God has for me and, or for us in our life, and so knowing that this was another resignation or like, hey, we're leaving, what are you going to? Who knows? You know, it, I think because we'd done it before and this was round two, there was more like faith even from my dad and mum knowing that, yeah, go for it. Like yeah. if, if you're not – if you know your heart's moving, go for it. So almost like backing us into it, whereas, um, you know, Nancy's parents from the first time, they're like, go get it. Who knows what it is? Go get it. And so round two for them, they're like, go get it. And we've yeah. got great relationships with our, with both of our our parents, which has been an un, unreal, you know, blessing over our life that uh, we can talk to them about anything. They've been in similar experiences that we've been in. And uh, so, yeah, this time dad's proud, you know, like of, yeah, go for it. Um, wow. You're built for this. So that's how, that's how it was. It was the second. What, what a lovely statement. You're yeah. built for this. And yeah. 
probably nothing better to get from an earthly father mm. than to get that sort of validation. You know, yeah. you go out, cut your own grass, you go out, do your own thing, you go out doing it and you're validating yourself and, oh, I've got this, yeah. I've got this. But at the end of the day, it still feels like sometimes the poison the poison tip of an arrow, mm. you're doing it, you're pioneering and yeah. it just feels so lonely yep. and you have so much doubt that to get the validation of a father and parents-in-law, mother and father and parents-in-law saying, you're built for this. And I just want to echo that to everyone. If you're a parent and you've got kids who have dreams, the best thing you can do is to help them on their way to their dreams. Don't ever stop them. Don't ever say, oh, this is the right career path or the best thing you can ever do. And I think hopefully I I can speak for my kids here and say that that's all I've ever tried to do for them is like, no, no, you're built for more. Try it. Yeah. Try, don't don't be limited by the conformative organisational idea of what where society is telling us we should be. Go for it, you know. And so oh, I'm super proud of your parents, mate, because yeah. it's not common mm. that parents will say, well, you're leaving another really good secure mm. job mm. and you've got three kids now and a mortgage. Um, so really, really cool. And I think that every parent should be that way. I yeah. personally do. So we're – that's awesome. Let's get back to your values. Yes. Because we'll talk about where you are now in a minute, like what job you're doing, because it actually probably really suits you. But I don't know if that'll be forever either. Knowing you. <laughs> yeah, track record. <laughs> track record. Track and record. to his boss, if you're listening. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm staying forever. <laughs> to, to my boss. Okay. I'm, I'm there for good. Yeah, once a pay rise already. <laughs> Look out. Um, character, integrity, responsibility, mateship, Christ like. Yeah. They're your values. The so one that stood out to me more than all of those, and you'd think it'd be Christ-like, but it's not. Mm. The one that stood out to me when I actually wrote these out, it almost leapt out of the page at me was responsibility. Mm. So why is responsibility so important to you? It's funny you say that one because that was the one, that was my fifth option because I'm like I feel as though the first four are pretty good, but what's the fifth? And I actually lent into that word because that's my, my strongest gift. So I've done – I'm sure, you know, there's people, there's a thousand different gift findings or leadership <laughs> yeah, yeah. surveys you can do to find out what's yeah. your leadership Enneagrams style. Enneagrams yeah. personality te- Yeah, I all, know. All stuff. That's great. Love, love learn- languages. Yeah. 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 yeah, love learning about myself. Yeah, yeah. But I swear we're always changing, right? So it's good for, <laughs> so it's good for a season. Yeah, sugar's bad one day and good the next. Yeah, that's it. Um, so responsibility for me has been my my biggest gift but it also becomes your biggest weakness as well in that I can become too responsible and allow if something that I'm doing failing I take that to heart like that's me as a person not just what I've been entrusted with to you know like make succeed if it doesn't succeed I take that as a personal hit because that's attached to my to me that's how it's seen in a in a, in a weakness but when it's your strength it means that whoever is leaning on you it empowers them to do whatever they need to do because they can trust you. So when I wrote resp- responsibility down, I was like, well, it's responsible, but it's it's with the responsibility of trust. Yeah. And trust, like everybody knows, is, is acquired over time. Um, and burnt in a minute. Exactly. And you can build trust in a short amount of time in, in, in the depths, you know, in the valley experiences. Yes. And, um, you know, it always gets me watching like a – watching a movie. Yeah. And some hero saves the girl, James Bond, for example, yeah, yeah. and within a minute she's ready to give the rest of her life to him. Yeah, because because she can trust him with her life. Yeah. So, so I look at I look at trust as as this as the key to allowing anything to grow. Yeah. And so, 
if my boss can trust me in my position, empowers me into it, I can release them into theirs and what they need to do. And I think like always I always at 33, um, I was like, all right, my son, his name's Riggins, played – It was a, we named him a football player that wears number 33. Um, 33, our family was complete. So we had our, had our last daughter. Um, it, was the, it was the age that Jesus died on the cross, so a bit of purpose attached to that. Scotty Pippen wears 33. Love love Scotty Pippen. Yeah. But do you – age-old debate, do you get Michael Jordan without Scotty Pippen? In the Bulls, you know, in, in that era. You don't. Well, yes, and some would even argue that you do if Jordan was playing in a different team. But for for their, I don't think you get. I don't think you get any of those guys to the level that they were. Now you get Pippen, yeah, good Pippen, yeah. But you've read the book, Good to Great. Yeah, yeah, true. Get him on the bus. <laughs> get him on the bus. <laughs> get him in the right seats. Get him in the right seats. So yeah. I don't yep. think you get. I don't think you get great Pippen or yeah. great great. Um, uh, what's his name? That Dennis Rodman. Rodman. You don't get great. Yeah. Yeah. Without Jordan. Yeah. And and that's the responsibility that was placed on Pippen in that team. Yeah. Was to either feed Jordan the ball, or if he's down, if he's injured, if he's sick, you step up. Yeah. You know. And and so for me, when I look at the values that I shape my life on, I want to be known as somebody responsible. Yeah. That you could put the house on me, and I would deliver for what you needed. And then it refers to mateship. You know, my mates can think of that. Our family can think of that. That even God, you know, when he looks at me and he sees his son and what he's entrusted to his son, I could then bring it to him one day and say, oh, I've been responsible for this. You know, I was responsible for my marriage. Yeah. You know, I was responsible for the for the children that you gave me here on earth. I was responsible for whether it was the eight years in the school, it was the five years at the church, and then what's next? I was responsible. Like, you could look at my years at university and go, oh, was I a little bit irresponsible? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. But I needed to be – I needed to have learned maybe at that, at that age what didn't work and what was failure. Um, and so I'm still learning what failure looks like in different, you know, streams and whatnot. But um, responsibility for me, yeah, I guess that's how it's shaped to be one of the, the core values that I want to live by, yeah. that if if it's any anybody in those positions or ballparks that I was just talking about, you can you can be – be trusted, knowing that I can I can bring to the table what you've given me. Yeah, there's a, a great Franciscan priest, and I, he, his name eludes me right now. Rich, um, Richard Rule, I think it is. And he read a book called Failing Forward or Falling Upwards, and um, yeah, Falling Upwards, I think it is. And so when you talk about success and failure, and and your younger years, like talk specifically about failing in school, but it can never. I think people get so stuck on failure and I don't know, I had a, a young PD expert in the podcast studio a couple of weeks ago or a week or so ago who recorded with us and, um, yeah, they're all about success and 10 times and all that. It's fantastic. What mm. they do, really good. But if we don't fail, we don't succeed. So the word failure should be spelt success. Yeah, yeah. Because it's it's just, it's and oh, you know, there's so many metaphors about, oh, it's not how you fall down to get back up. It's all that sort of stuff. And I don't even think it's that. I don't even think it's it's as simple as that. It's like it's like the brokenness of humanity when your husband's left you. It's about like I've got to be here for my kids. That's success. Yeah. It's about that that moment where you lost your job as as a proud father and and there's no more money coming in, but you do all you can. You don't take food, but your kids feed. Mm. That's success. Mm. 
are people so look at success these days is what they see on social media or what yeah. they see in other areas or you know whatever whatever can look to people mm. and so winding that back the the word failure and I only use it because of what you were saying failing in uni and the success to it re- really has led you where you are now but people get messed up on that those two words and I look at it and go you know what we so don't see the unsung heroes yeah yep. fa- who yep. believe they're failing yep but they're actually not mm. because they're still alive mm. and they might be struggling mentally they might be struggling with everything in the world right now and yep. and this year and next year could be a very telling year for uh, Australia, especially with our economy. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's going to go bad. I'm not saying it's going to go good. I'm not one of those people. But I f- believe there's going to be a lot of people feeling pressure. Mm. But you need to know that you're a success if you wake up in the morning, if you put other people first, and if you lay your head down at night, you just got to say, I did okay. I'm still here. Yeah. I did yeah. okay. Yeah. You know, so. Well, what's the measure of success as well? Yeah. You know. Is, is what did we say earlier? Is your adult children want to hang out with you? Yeah, that's what we did. Yeah. yeah. Well, I walked into the for anybody who who, do, who doesn't know the setup of here, um, you, it's the most welcoming environment in the world. I tell you what, I don't know if you give your address out live. No, or, no, 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 don't. <laughs> but you, if you're feeling like if you're having a bad day, you just walk into this office space and it's surrounded like the cartilage family will will wrap their arms around you. And that's was that's what I was asking um, about you guys is what have you what have you done? you know, to be able to raise adult children that want to hang out with you. Like that's a success indicator uh, or a marker, whatever you want to call it, in terms of the family space that when the kids are old enough to choose who they want to hang out with, I'm looking at Mia over here, <laughs> um, when, the, when the, which is your daughter, but when, when they're old enough to make their own decisions, do they still want to hang out with you? And I think if they do want to come home and they do want to hang out and it's like, yeah, we love our mum and dad, then you've done, you've done some great parenting, you know? Yeah. And uh, I reckon, like, we, we can look at uh, whatever we do outside, like the mission, what we were talking before, the mission. Yeah. The mission can sometimes take over the real mission. Mm. And um, I got a real good uppercut, uh, I don't know how long ago, but it was a while ago, about am I putting my family before my mission mm. and what's important. And then hearing, and I will have to look at the, the truth of this story or the efficacy of it. Um, but I'm going to say it anyway and then we'll look at it. And if it's wrong on our next podcast, I'll just say, hey, I was wrong. But the guy who started World Vision, his children didn't turn up at his funeral. His family didn't. Well, wow. And it's devastating to me because I have such a passion to help every person on this planet because we ha- we've had like – I was talking about that young man before on a podcast, Elliot Chenery, he's all about water. Pure water yeah. you're drinking. Yep. His water today. High vibe water. High vibe. Bit of a yell out to high, high vibe. You're drinking his water today and he's got a plan with, with water. But the thing is he told us it, it's the water industry in the world is $1 billion industry mm. per year. But it only costs $300 million to get every person on this planet clean water. So yeah, that's a – That's terrible. That's a terrible thing. It? But saying that is like that's a mission, Right. Yes, now you have clean water. That's a mission, Good but I realise at some stage, and you're saying, why do your kids want to hang out with you as adult parents? And it, I can't take credit for that except that I got that uppercut with well, mission, well Vision or whoever it was, may yeah. not have been that guy, it was someone. Yeah. These children 
and his family didn't turn up at his funeral mm. because he put his mission before his family. Yeah. Well, our first mission is our family. Yeah. Our first calling is our family. Our first, like, you know, go and spread the word. Is it, is it Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the rest of the world? Well, Jerusalem is your family. Yeah, yeah. You know, Ju- Judea is your community, your, mm. your friends. Yep. You know, Samaria might be your town and then think about the rest of the world. But first mm. is your family. My kids are so important to me. Their dreams are important to me. I dream about their dreams, you know, uh, and that's the thing. Is like that's what the uppercut I got. It's yeah, like, yep. no, bloody wake up to yourself, Nathan. Your kids are, are the gig. Even Nelson Mandela, I don't know if you've read his Long Walk to Freedom, but it's obviously uh, he writes, you know, his life story and he gets to the end of his life and he has saved the nation of South Africa. You know, yeah. he's brought reconciliation to what they thought was only going to be a disaster post um, you know, uh, once he got out of prison, they just assumed that, you know, um, the Africans were going to take back everything and he bought this this reconciliation theme through the whole of South Africa and which was built off forgiveness and reconciliation. But he even alludes to in his book, I have freed the nation but I've also lost my family yeah. in, the, in the process of it all. You know, he yeah. was in jail for 28 years and yeah. – before that, he was on the run, you know, where he couldn't see his own kids, and yeah, yeah it was sad. And, but and I can the reality. say, I can say this on the back of that. I can say this about my father at one stage, and who he was, and you know, some of the stuff that my father's done started. And um, at one stage, he said to uh, another member of my family um, that we were his worthy, we were a worthy cost for the call, and that permeated through mm. us older siblings. And I and I remember he would say from the pulpit at different stages that I tell my kids my office door is always open and I would go straight away, yeah, it is, but your office is at the church and you're always in it. Mm. And that's that was the thing. It's like mm. are we – and I, this not a bag of my dad because in the last five years of my dad's life, him and I became very, very close. And when he got sick um, – the very first thing he did was dissemble all ministry and he said, I don't want anything to do with anyone else but my family. Yeah. Um, and that it didn't play out with his funeral stuff. Everyone still wanted to be there but that's cool. But he just wanted his family around him. Yeah. And so, you know, that was a big healing process for all of us. Mm. But I can't echo that enough. As you asked me the question, why do you want well, – you know, the, the true answer of success is, is at whatever – Whatever level you are, how accepting can you be of the people that you've been graced with? Yeah, you know, so good. How, yeah, what can you do for them? Yeah, you know. Yep, yep. And at, and at some point, when they're all grown up and they want to hang out with you, then inspire them to come along with the mission. Yeah, you know, then inspire them. So yeah, I know that they all will be. Tommy, um, why India? Oh, I know I, that you have yeah. partly cultured with India, but I know a lot of people have got. Yeah, yeah, genetics and different areas of the world and stuff like that. But you have got a call to India. Yeah, I, I think it's um, it's it's easy for me to align with it because yep. I am Indian. Yeah, but it's the need you see, and we you can just watch a couple of movies, watch like Slumdog Millionaire and Lion. And oh, they're see, the best movies, but yeah, aren't they? I know, and I know that there's the Bollywood industry. Shantaram. Yes. Ooh, good book and series. Series. Uh, but. Yeah, there's this. Better Charlie Hunnam. <laughs> Sexy. For the ladies. Yeah. But he's, he's, India is a, uh, it, 
it's too big to fix. Yeah. So I think that's what stirs us to somehow come on board with it. And I've taken um, a missions team to India before. I just filled it with doctors and nurses because I'm like, that's the that's what they need, you sure. know. Like, and we were we were doing some rural healthcare and 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 just helping. And you could see the people that had never been to a doctor before, and yeah. they didn't they didn't, never had a like a like we <laughs> took took some tablets over like headache tablets, but some Panadol, and they'd never had one before. Wow! And they were like 60, 70 years old, and it's what that's their life i get that you know and we've got our life here yeah. but how can we have so much here and not want to help yeah. um and one of the big biggest convictions we live with you know like as christians is that you know jesus asked what are you what are you doing you know for those that are maybe widows those that are orphans like yeah. what did you do for them um because what you did for them it's as if you're doing it for me yeah so yeah. when you see the amount of orphans widows you know hurt poverty in india and i know it's across the globe as well we got it here in our backyard um but it's i don't know maybe do we feel as though well because it's in our own backyard someone else will get to it and that's why we we want to go overseas um or is it just because maybe for me in my heart like that's i, I want to go and help uh, in, in India and it's, you know, obviously the place where my father was born, it's where my grandparents come from uh, and it, it's the, the need over there just looks huge. So it's like even if you were to um, help one, is that enough? Is that enough, yeah. 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 I, I know this might be premature but the organisation who I'm working for at the moment started because the founder went to India and met with Mother Teresa and – um, after the he was a journalist, so after the interview, after the cameras were down and and whatnot, she said to him, "Well, now that you know everything that I do, what are you doing?" Yeah, you know. And he's like, "Nothing." And she's like, "Well, if you can't do it for all of them, can you do it for one?" Yeah. And then that's how he came back and started Convoy of Hope. That's powerful, and it is so true. Um, and I don't, yeah, like I think we've got to get over this. I, do, I really do think we've got to get over this. Well, I'm an Aussie, so it's Aussies first, and I do believe family first. Yeah, but I, yeah. I just don't think we're all cut differently. Like I would never, ever consider myself with a, a missions bent ever. Mm. I'd see my dad go off to New Guinea at different times. My family, they all end up doing stuff in New Guinea and missions up there, and I go, yeah, yeah no, not for me, yeah. no way. Yeah, but it was one trip, and it was, it was, and I see it here. I do. I understand. Uh, we have a an incredible resource in Australia for with a welfare system in Australia that yeah. that can and and will help if someone wants help. So there's a difference between the victims here, mm. and I'm please I'm not I'm not putting anyone in a place where if you want help here you can get help. Yeah. yeah. Over there, if you want help over there, you can't. Yeah. There is no help to get. Yeah. Like. The men leave their rural towns because there's no way to earn money to go into cities to earn money and end up sleeping in the backseat of cabs because they can't earn enough money to send back to their families. And so that's how they've got to they, – yeah. they live in the cab. Yep. And and then they send what they can earn back to their families so they can just eat one yep. meal a day. Yep. You know, most of them end up in the big cities on doing criminal things, like just small criminal events because that's the only way they can earn money. Yeah. Yeah. And we look at it as, oh, that's criminal. Don't, you know, watch your pocket and go, hang on, do you understand why they do it, you know? And so it was one trip for me and I'm stepping over a family of grandparents, parents, 
four or five kids wrapped in cardboard on a street that it was raining and I'm going for an early walk in the morning. I'm just going, what am I doing with my life? Honestly, I live in the top 5% of wealth in the world because I can eat. Yeah. Because I I don't really have a lot of debt or I don't have any debt or whatever it is. I drive a nice car. I live in the top 5% of wealth in the world because I'm an Australian. That's it. Not because I'm anything else. Yeah. What am I doing? Yeah. You know, and. Well, I think, you know, like what did you do to be born in Australia? I didn't. What did you, no, but what did you do? No, nothing. Oh. We were just blessed. Or, yeah. Somehow that's how we ended exactly. up here. Yeah. And for them, yeah. they didn't get the choice. They didn't. So now you are, you've got a job. You yeah. left Glow without a job and a good friend of yours, Joel LaBelle, probably came knocking on your door and said, you're too good. Is that how it happened or? No, nah, well, Joel, Joel LaBelle, he's the man. He's, uh, if you don't know him, you'd, you'd do well by knowing him. But um, he's, he's done a lot of life. A lot yeah. of experiences, yeah. and he's been yeah a great Similar a great journey, friend I... yeah a great friend in the last uh, couple of years that he moved to the coast, and he was he's he was launching this arm of Convoy of Hope within Australia. So Convoy of Hope are a, a big humanitarian organisation based in the states, and they are about changing the world. Yeah. They um, have a child feeding program, so every day they feed. 500,000 kids wow. across the world. Could That's be incredible. Africa, Asia, South America, uh, all through Europe. They empower women. So they find women that are doing it tough, uh, whether it could be on the street, uh, could be in their towns, single mums mostly, and they put them through business development courses okay. and then gift them a, a job, you know, or uh, their own business. So they get them out of that cycle of, you know, being poor forever. Yeah. Yeah. Um they help with agriculture, so they go into rural towns and teach farmers, educate farmers how to get the most out of their crops, you know, and how to harvest it. And then they do disaster response. So anytime there is a disaster, so at the moment obviously there's the huge um, Turkey-Syria earthquake yeah. aftermath. Um, so they're responsible. They just take it upon themselves, how can we help? Yeah. So do we send volunteers? Do we ship supplies there? Can we raise funds and, and just send it to the people that are hurting the most? Yeah. So they're based in America, but Joel and Jules Abel started the Australian office of Convoy of Hope about three years ago. And so for us, um, we can partner with what's going on overseas with the with the feeding program and um, the farming, but we've got – our kids are doing pretty well across the board. We've got some of the best farms and farmers within Australia – so we're leaning more into the women's empowerment side but also the disaster response. Yeah. So over the last couple of years, obviously, bushfires and floods. So convoys turned up in those towns and helped them yeah. you know, facilitate relationships with schools, churches, government agencies, community groups and being able to help the people get back on their feet. Yeah. And so, yeah, once I finished up, he said, what are you doing? I said, I don't know. And he goes, have you ever thought of convoy? And then I was like, oh, not really, but I like what you guys are about. So, but he's been he's been the best because he he actually said it to me. He goes, "We want you on the bus." Don't know what the seat is yet, but we just want you on the bus. And um, they've been amazing. Um, just to in that transition, just just to shift from, um, yeah, like not being so probably focused on on the community that I'm a part of, to now think global 
and and how to take on the world. It's been unreal to watch how they how they're doing it and to be and to be part of it. Yeah, yeah. So we we got a lot to thank Convoy of Hope for, even local with uh, with the floods over the last couple of years down in Lismore, which is about a hundred k south of the Gold Coast where we yeah. are yeah. right now, and the devastation that it, that hit that whole Northern Rivers area convoy were pretty well first on the scene and uh, a massive big help not just for what they did for that community but also keeping in contact with every other organization that can help but doesn't know how to yeah. get there and yeah they did a great job and and that's sometimes the case is like there's a there's a traumatic devastating you know situation cyclone uh, flooding bushfires natural disaster that takes place and the first response that we often get is like, okay, is everyone alive? Like yeah. you, 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 human life is the most important thing. Yeah. But then if you're in a position, it's like, well, how can we help? Yeah. And sometimes that's where Convoy does its best work is like just partnering with where your heart is as a company or a business or a church or a school or a community group. And it's like, this this is how you can help. Yeah. You know, So you're just bringing in the pieces to help yeah, the, 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 the town or you know the city rebuild. Yeah. And you've just got back from New Zealand with that yeah. you know, cyclone Gabriel over there just devastated the North yeah. Island. Yeah, it's it's you know like you hear it it's a, it's apocalyptic and it is um we went to flew into Napier which is beautiful area Hawke's Bay uh Hastings as well and the the towns are quite they've done really well. Um the floodwaters came in and the cyclone you know quite a bit of rain obviously but the houses survived and people might have gone without power a couple of days but what we found when we got on the ground was that it was the rural communities so the farmers and those that were living um, in those rural communities where they just got decimated oh, wow. so seven meter wall of water like kilometers long just plowed through valleys seven meter yeah high um wow. that's obviously like four brings stories in, of a building yeah brings in debris. Wow. Um, we saw cars that were just, you know, like upside down, shipping containers that had been moved, caravans that had been relocated into like vineyards. Um, so people lost, there was human lives lost, houses gone. Like if not, you know, they've got to start again. Everything inside the house is now outside the house and in a pile. Um, the farmers, you know, those with crops, they're not only have they lost houses, they've lost all their income. Yeah. So, and how long does it take to get a farm back? Yeah. So you've lost that. If and if it was cattle, you've now lost your cattle. Oh, um, that's more than three. Yeah, yeah. So they're hurting, you know. Yeah. And unfortunately, like we we rely on the media media a lot to show us what's going on across the world. Yeah. And if they don't cover it, then we don't know what's going on. But when we drove through, um, you know, a couple of those rural towns over the last couple of days. You just you end up. I didn't realize how much I was recording a bit, but you don't realize how much you just say the words. Oh, oh man, oh, they've lost everything. Like it's just on repeat. Every place you're going, you're looking in, you're looking in, you're looking in. You hope it's almost like you're hoping that one house has survived, or that or that one family has you know been able to weather the storm. But this, yeah, this storm they didn't. They weren't. No one weathered it um, unless you're on the outskirts of it. Yeah. So we saw bridges like proper concrete bridges taken away into the ocean. We saw train tracks that were like going this way that had been bent by the water. Now and now going this way. So you don't you don't understand it until you've seen it, but you don't but even we didn't get a real uh, a reality of it because we weren't in it. 
So, yeah, the the people that were in it that are that are now having to recover, it's 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 there like it's their once in a lifetime you know moment where they could have died you know or they you know they've lost everything and start again and yeah. you kind of hope you never have to go through that. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but yeah, it was great to go out for my first field trip to see how we can help. Yeah. Even from a distance, you know, being based in Oz. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, it's so good to hear that you are there. Um, we have spent so much time talking. Yeah. It's felt like – I just looked at my watch and went oh, – Has it? It's been like an hour and a half. <laughs> Feels like five minutes. It always does not here when the headphones go on for some I'd reason. say, yep. I've got two more things I, I just want to quickly talk about before we sum up with the challenge. Uh, number one is just – to help everyone with the, the God factor is how do we explain God to an atheist, mm. agnostic or cynic? How do you personally explain it? Mate, great question. I think this is every every Christian should know what to say. Um, I mean, God for me is everything. Like he created the world. He's given me my life. He's blessed me with my life and my wife and my kids. And I, I look at God as the absolute anchor to my whole life so that my relationship with him, my belief in him, and this is my faith, essentially my faith in him is that I need to look at him as the, as the source of everything that I do. Uh, my identity is in him as his son. Um, my faith, my Christian faith is what, I, what I've built this life on as well. And so who, who is God? Um, I think he, he's different in, in terms of how we explain him. I'm explaining him for how he's relevant to me and, and how I see him. You might have a different take on God, but what's similar is, is those core foundations that we believe that he is the author of life, that he's created you know, everything that we've got, the past, the present, the future, it's all in his hands. Um, I see him as a loving God. As a caring God, I don't see him as like a like fire in terms of you've done the wrong thing, so I'm now going to punish you. Um, or what you saw in New, in New Zealand is a consequence of those people, yeah. you know, and the way that they've lived. Um, I see him as like this unconditional love uh, of a father that I can mess up on any given day and know that he's still standing there with arms wide open to say the reason why. I sent my son to die on the cross, Jesus. The reason why I sent him is so that these arms are always going to be open for you. And it doesn't get old. Like if I think about it um, more and more, I'd probably just end up crying because I'm like, I don't deserve it. You know, like at the the human nature of everything that I am and the sin that I've committed and, you know, the times that I disappoint myself and maybe my wife and my kids and he's still there just with these arms that are like, yeah, but you're my son. You know, when I see you, I see you. As pure, I see you as clean. I see you as you know, like, and I think every dad, you know, like, and even just saying that, man, like, we are so blessed to be fathers, you know, because there's there's great men and women out there that yeah. are that are wanting children, and for some reason, which I can't even explain, you know, like, and not they they can't have kids. So even the reality of becoming a father, I feel as I've got a snippet into how much God loves me because of how much I love my own son. Yeah, and. I know that God loves me with more love than what I see myself giving to my own son. Yeah. And it's, you know, the more, more I think about it, more I talk about it, sometimes it's like an onion and 
the layers come out it's like a map and you don't know where all the roads are leading but it's i mean knowing god loving god and having him in my life is is probably what has given me the the faith the grace the boldness the courage just to keep chasing what's next for my own life because yeah. i know that he's not going to leave me you said it before you know, like we, we we believe that God will never leave you nor forsake you. So everything that I do, every day that, I've, that I'm going to live, every day that I have lived, like he's mapped it out for me to choose what I want to do with it. Yeah. And what I want to do is to make him proud, yeah. is to ultimately glorify him, that people would be able to look at my life and see, man, God's alive through him, yeah. you know, um, or God's love acts through him. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful answer. Um, one of my, I don't know, it is a scripture, but I'm, I'll probably use it more as a statement of life, is to let my light shine so brightly that people will see my good deeds and glorify my Father in heaven. Mm. And that sums that up. So great answer, Tommy. What's the future hold for you and Dancy? Oh, mate. <laughs> she's um, she's honestly the best thing that's ever happened to me. When we when we. If I could just take a moment just to talk about how good my wife is, I I don't think got, we can get better at this as well. You know, as husbands and as men, is is uh, really validating and um, you know appreciating your wife and what they go through in order to give you the best version of you. And um, she's she is the yeah the best thing that's ever happened to me because of what she's bought out of me. Um, she's the risk cut. She, like you might think I'm a risk taker. She's, she's the initiator of the risk. Um, she has continually just backed me into everything, um, spoken life and value and, and all that and supported me. And I feel as though I'm, I need to get better at doing it for her as well. Yep. Um, as men, you just assume that you, you lead the life and, and your, your wife will come along or your partner will come along and, and just compliment. Mm-hmm. But you get the better version of me because of her. Yeah. And so when we do anything in the future together, it's a, it's a team effort. We do, we look for opportunities to be together, to do things together, um, which is why I think we love the, the, the opportunities that we got at the church was because we were doing it together. Um, and even now it feels weird because I'm, you know, in a different, and, and for some guys that's like a nightmare because it's like I could not work with my wife or I could not work with my partner. And then for some guys you already do it. Um, but our relationship is so healthy because we do things together. We're both on the same grid. We're moving forward. The future for us is exciting. I think this is the start of, of what's next. I don't know how long, um, you know, like God wants me to be at Convoy. If he gives me the same stirring that I've got in, in past chapters of my life, then there's a high, high chance that I'm going to be obedient again. But we're both bent towards making a difference in this world. Yeah. And so the future for us looks like, first of all, at home raising our, our kids. Uh, we want we want to raise good, strong, um, you know, Christ-like, highly convicted, um, just kids at home that know who they are. Like yeah. their identity is what we really want to shift um, them into knowing like who they are so that, you know, the world can't tell them who they are, that the noise that they hear at home through – our voice and how we speak to them will be louder than anything that they see or they hear in the world. Um, And so, you know, we, we, we look at our family, we love our family. So before I even talk about changing the world, know that at home we're just going to continue raising, you know, our kids, they're eight, six and four. So they're still pretty young. Um, And then I think for us, the, the, the assignment 
if it changes, it will change, but we'll always be doing it together. And I think that's probably been the power of it, of us in our marriage and our family is that we're on the same map that we don't do anything unless we both know it's the right thing you're to in. do. You're yeah. In. yeah. That's a great answer again with uh, what's what's the future for Tommy and Nancy is the future is stay in alignment and, yeah. and keep going, keep yeah. following God. And, um, mate, super blessed to have you here. Really, no, thanks have, for having have me, been, mate. Thank uh, you so much. Awesome. You've got a challenge that I asked yeah, you. Yeah, I, I don't know what other guys, what's, what's been well, on the well, table. I, I, we, you had, said, we had a few, with yeah. the, you know, don't take your phone to bed yep. after yep. a walk on the beach. Yeah. Uh, uh, we've had ones where – Random act of kindnesses, mm. gratitude books, mm. stuff. Mm. So, I think for me, um, the last couple of years has been huge, right? I don't know how, how much context you want me to give, but we've 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 all suffered it in some degree, you know. But one one of the things that I've started doing is finding something in the week that refreshes me. So, um, not not like a net Netflix, you know. TV series or but what, what brings me refreshment what gets the best out of me what what brings me joy you know and so whether it was like Nancy and I um we we signed up to a touch football team oh wow yeah because we're like you know what we used to do this years ago before the kids so let's 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 do it you know it could be the gym you know but it's something that's um I would say for every person that's listening like take care of yourself and you deserve this. Like you deserve to, whether it's, you know, go to the driving range and hit a bucket of balls or um, – Go to P3 and do go a to P3. Yeah. Thank you, P3. Yeah, do that. Um, look look after yourself. But what uh, – the question would be do something – to answer the question, do something that refreshes you this week. There so you. you look after you it's and good. then you're a better version for everybody else. Yeah, well, that's actually number one of your tips – Oh, is it? But it's good. Okay. It's a great challenge yeah, to have yeah, is do yeah. something that refreshes you yep. this week. Yeah. Something different. I love it, mate. Um, so I just want to go back over the, the whole episode and what really is uncovered here for everyone. And once again, thank you so much. We didn't know where this was going to go. Yeah. I, I have a fair feeling most times when I'm preparing um, an episode for the Conflab and we've gone pretty well over time. Actually, there's no time. I can do what I want. Yeah, <laughs> mate, you're the boss. <laughs> well, that's actually debatable. <laughs> we know I'm not. Yeah. She's sitting in the studio. Right. Um, so, but if I was to go over, and we, I didn't know, I have a fair feeling most times of what's going to come out of it and what questions to ask, and I had nothing for you, mm. absolutely nothing. And I was trying to even write a page, and it, it, it just wrote your bio, which you sent yep. me, and a few other yep. things, and um, – but I love that because what's come out of this is a real inspiration. Um, if you are sort of on the fence with, with, with things and you are sort of got itchy feet, it's time to ask questions. If you are not, if you feel like you are designed for something that you're not doing, stop doing it. And I don't mean, don't be, uh, don't be smart about it. Like Tommy went and spoke to a bunch of people before he actually stepped over the line and, and quit his job and waited for the next thing. It's like you can start your and, – and we I've read this book recently called The Big Leap and it's all about the the zones of genius, the zone of genius, zone of excellence, zone of competence, zone of incompetence and what are we designed for and uh, understanding that uh, what we're designed for is our real zone of genius mm. and that's what we what – we, Good in the morning. So start something. Just start something. What Tommy's obedience to his inner calling was, whatever you want to call it, we would call it God, 
whatever you feel pulled out of your spirit or your heart, um, just switch the head off. And sometimes you need solitude to do that. No, you just need to get away, True. have yep. no noise, turn the phone off, go to nature and just let start something. And now what it's done is now he's in an incredible position with Convoy of Hope, which are actually really making a difference right across the world silently. They're not out there blowing their trumpet at how good they are and how amazing they are. And by the way, so did Mother Teresa. She, I think she, when she died, she had $20 million in her yeah, bank account, yeah, which was amazing. Yep, yep. Um, but she never blew her own trumpet. And so that's what these guys do. And now he's been given the – because of of that thing, that that thing that's in him to help him and his family now after after this thing. The other thing I want to say about Tommy before, he, before we close, and uh, I'm going to let him finish – uh, is that this young man is, uh, and it is, and I do absolutely will stand on this, an untapped resource for young men and probably families. Him and his wife would say families and couples. If you're looking for a mentor, if you're looking for someone, it, it, it doesn't matter what your belief is, he's not going to care. He's not He's not that person. It doesn't matter. If you're looking for a mentor, if you're, if you're a couple that's struggling and you just want someone to walk beside you, we'll put his uh, Instagram handle up on our show notes and his details that you can reach out, his email address if he wants that. You can reach out to him. I would so endorse anyone getting alongside this couple because, um, I don't know, we we met maybe a year ago and I just can't get enough of your presence because of what it does and how it fills my spirit and stuff. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so I would say reach out to Tommy for anything that you guys want, whatever you're struggling in. And um, also let's go Titans this year, mate. Go the Titans. We'll win the comp. Um, I'm just going to leave for you to finish uh, with uh, some advice, mate. What would you – what's the best piece of advice you could give to everyone? Yeah. Um, I think life life happens like, and you want to be in control of it. And so like like we've spoken about today, if you don't feel like you're even on the right bus, get on the right bus, you know, and it's going to look like crazy either faith or boldness or risk and know that it's it's okay. Like – You've got people around you, whether it's parents, whether it's family, whether it's, you know, um, friends. Everybody wants to see you do your best and you will do your best when you're doing, I think, what your God-given potential is and your God-given purpose or, you know, what makes you happy. So risk it. Um, have, a, have, a, have, a, have a fun adventure in your life, whatever you're doing. I don't want to die surrounded by... Um, you know, all my thoughts of like what could be if, if I'd have done that. So I'm just living my life so that, yeah, every day I feel like what I'm doing is, is a great assignment and, and I'm getting a lot of joy out of it. Awesome. There we are. We'll just jump out here. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Nath. Hey, you're welcome, mate. I appreciate the time yeah. and thank you. It's been fun, mate. That was the end of another episode. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you've enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to rate, review and subscribe as this will help me get my message out to more people. If you've heard anything today that has resonated with you, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram, at Nath Cartledge. All the other ways to contact me will be in the show notes. I'd love to chat and hear your thoughts. Can't wait to Conflab next week.